morning. Grateful God's moving in this service. I got an honor of sharing God's word with you today. We're going to read in Genesis chapter 50. It says in verse 15, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong things we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God, of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you, your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this moment and the people that are here. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive today. God, I pray that uh, we would move forward. Lord, wherever somebody is today, God, I know that you have more for them, and maybe they're stuck. I pray that you would help them move forward, get them out of their circumstances, get them out of their mindsets. I thank you that the grace of God is sufficient in our lives, and we can trust you today with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I get to pick up in this uh, series about, uh, it's called Genesis, but uh, we've been studying about Joseph the last couple weeks. And the title of today's message is called God's Plan. Can you help me today and say God's Plan? God's Plan. God's plan. Um, I'll save the Drake jokes, um, but God's Plan. God has a plan for you and he has a plan for me, but it requires faith. Everyone say faith. faith. Now what is faith? I believe that it depends who you ask. Because if you you ask the Bible, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. But if you ask the culture, faith might mean what God you choose to believe in, what religion you affiliate with, and so they minimize faith to maybe just an element. Well, when I look at faith, I, I think of faith as more like a spiritual muscle that gets worked out in us. And anyone got some guns in here today? You want to show me your muscles? Got some spiritual muscles in here today? Well, um, save the flexing for later because I feel like God's about to do something with this word faith in your life. But in order for any muscle to grow, it has to be stretched. There has to be resistance. If you go to the gym, you'll see people working out and they do it with weights. There's resistance. So in order for faith to grow, it has to be tried. It has to be tested. It has to have a little bit of resistance, some cause and effect. Well, we know that this character, Joseph went through his fair share of resistance. Because when God gave him a dream, it was exciting for him to pursue that dream, but he did not know all the trials that he was going to be facing because of the dream. Well, we know that his life has been paralleled with the life of Jesus and how they both went through circumstances. They were betrayed by their brothers. They were, they were locked up. Uh, they were beaten. They were forgotten. And uh, I get to relate that a little bit more today because Joseph... Uh, as pastor left off last week, Joseph was in prison, 
And then he gets to interpret Pharaoh's dream, which elevates him out of prison. He, he gets out of prison and out of the pit of his life, and he gets now to a place where God's going to use him. I, I believe that a lot of times the trials in our lives, they put us in position to be used. A lot of the circumstances that you go through are not accidental. They're absolutely useful. And though they might not feel like it at the time, ask Joseph, it put him in the perfect position to be used by God. And so God elevates him, and he's now second in command. He's being, he's being used uh, by God. He's, uh, there's Pharaoh, and then there's Joseph. Because the dream said something like this. The dream was that there was going to be seven years of plenty. That means a lot of abundance of growing crops and food in the land. And then there was going to be seven years famine. Well, they now reach the seven years famine, and Joseph is in charge of everything. Anybody that comes from the surrounding territories that need food have to go through Joseph. And guess who else has to show up to get some food? Lo and behold, his brothers that betrayed him, that did him dirty, that did him wrong, they show up needing some food. Now, um, as much as I would like to see it go down where they show up and then they're cowards and then like he like, you know, smacks them and goes, yeah, I told you, you know, whatever. Um, really, it, the Bible describes it kind of fun, you know. It's really exciting. And I don't know people who are scared to read the Bible because they're like, I don't like to read. It's boring. I'd rather watch talk shows. Let me tell you something. The Bible has more drama than you can handle, okay? The Bible is not boring, okay? The Bible is exciting. And, and this, is, this is more drama than Jerry Springer because his brothers show up, okay? And as, as they show up, the Bible says that instantly Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize Joseph. So they walk in to go get food from their brother that they betrayed, and they don't recognize him. They don't know who he is. So Joseph plays with them a bit, and he says that he kind of pretended like he didn't know them either. He treated them like he was just an Egyptian, right? And he starts, the Bible describes that he speaks to them harshly, wouldn't you? <laughs> and he starts to accuse them of being spies, that they weren't really there to get food. They were there to uh, spy on the land and look how they can steal food, right? So he starts to speak to them harshly, and that's kind of where I wanted to pick up because I think this is in Genesis chapter 42. What we read and where we'll end up is in Genesis 50. Now, that's the more wise Joseph. That's the forgiving Joseph, right? But we all have a chapter 42. We all have those moments of weakness when we want a little bit of revenge. Amen. Come on. Amen. Where we feel a little bit justified and vindicated for the people that did us wrong. And now it's our turn. We're in the seat of authority. We're in the seat of position. Now you got to bow and I'm going to sit. Right? And this is what's happening in his brother's lives. But I got I to gotta stop to warn us that the chapter 42 in your life is the younger, less mature you. This is not God's approach to this. Don't wait for your opportunity to get some revenge on those who did you dirty. Don't look for an opportunity to hurt people because they hurt you. As the quote goes, hurt people oftentimes hurt other people in return. And this is the effects of the hurt. You see, you could sit there and look at the brothers like they did something wrong and now it's your turn. But that's not faith. That's faith in yourself. That's faith in your circumstances. But it takes real faith to say that, you know what? Though that hurt, I believe that there's something that God's going to use in it. But oftentimes we use the hurt as an excuse to act a certain way, to think a certain way, to keep our walls up. 
and to, and to keep people at the distance that we feel safest. And this is what's happening. Now, I call it the effects. I think that there's, when there's resistance, there's cause, there's effects. And, and then it turns into blame, right? People can make an excuse for how they act and, and kind of how they think now because of what was done to them. And they'll turn around and blame people. But then even worse, they'll turn around and they'll blame God for what people did. A lot of people have been hurt by other people. So they, they blame God because God should have been there. God should have rescued me. I prayed and he didn't answer. And we turn it into God caused the pain. But God didn't give the pain. God gave the dream. God gave the dream. But the only problem is dreams come with drama. Come on, ask your mama, right? When she found out she was pregnant, she was excited. Ooh, I'm having a baby. But check her out in the third trimester. Check her out in the labor room. Get this child out of me. Okay? The tone changes a little bit. I suppose that dreams and, and feeling that God has a plan for your life, this is a, a very used term because we quote Jeremiah 29, 11. God knows the plans he has for you. God has a plan for your life. And that's exciting. That's probably what it feels like when you find out you're pregnant, right? Like, that's exciting. Ooh, I got, I got, God's got plans for me. I got, I got purpose. Like, my life is not an accident. This is, this is exciting. And it should be, because your life is not an accident. God made you in his image. It says in Ephesians that he created you before him with good works prepared for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, your life is not an accident. You should get excited at purpose. But don't overlook that purpose always precedes process. You need, you need to believe in the purpose as much as you believe in the process. Don't give up in the process and lose sight of the purpose. Because purpose plus process equals plan. Anyone ever build a home in here? Okay? The purpose was to get the home. The process to get the home required a plan, right? And so we can't just instantly go from, I got a dream, to where I'm ready for to live this dream out. There's a process, and sometimes there's pain in the process. Look, if we're talking about a muscle, it, when the gym, I know you heard this term before, no pain. Come on now. Right? I know it hurt. I know it affected you. But great things come at a great price. You want to get swole, but you don't want to sweat. You want to you get swole, but you don't want to get sore. Look, that's part of the process, baby. Touch your neighbor and say process. 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 You could play it safe and not affect anyone. All right? You could, you could not affect anyone and take yourself out of the game. You could, you could play it safe. You could sit the bench. But I know that there's something eating away at the inside of you that says that you were made with a plan, with a purpose, and that you want to get in the game and you want to try something and you feel like God's going to use you. So I know that that would kill you more than the pain of going through the process. Amen. It would hurt you more to sit this one out. God has put something inside of you and he's going to bring it out. See, don't give up in the process. You won't give up in the process when you're waiting for the product, okay? Because nobody works out to get sore. They work out to get muscles, right? So you, gotta, you don't give up in the process when you're waiting for the product. That's the results. That's the results. And any good chef does not just enjoy the process of making something. It's the finished product. Nobody goes to the restaurant for the recipe. You go to the restaurant for the delicious food that they serve, right? 
Amen now. Any foodies in here like me? I'm Italian. We love food too much. It's a sin. Okay. But look, hear me out. Because you have to, it requires faith to believe that it's not the end when you're in the process to keep going because it's not the end of something. That you have to stay in for the finished product. You have to wait for the results. That takes faith and it takes trust. That takes trust to believe that the person bringing you through the process actually knows what they're doing. Right? Okay, this is God. This is the master chef. He's the one, who he refers to himself as a father. And if you don't know God as a father, then you don't know him. Any parents in the room say amen. Okay. Any, any of you that have a kid, and as much as you want to protect them from everything, there's sometimes when you won't step in and interfere with the situation. Am I right? Say amen. amen. Because you know that it would be more beneficial for them to experience something than if you stepped in and rescued them all the time. Okay, no, no, no parent hates their child for letting them go through something. God, don't misinterpret God's intentions. God is intending it for good. God wants good for your life. He loves you. And though he sees your pain, he's not going to always rescue you because you ask for it. Because as a good father would, he has to let you go through it. Joseph wasn't ready just because he had a dream. He had to go through a process. But God wasn't going to give him pain. God was going to use the pain. Because he doesn't waste it. God doesn't waste a thing. He won't waste a thing. He will use it for the overall ingredients. Check out Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That's good things, bad things. Ugly things, hard things. Bad days, other things. Her things, your things, okay? All things work together for good. The time when Joseph got locked up and lied upon, when he was tempted, when he was forgotten, when he was lonely, God worked all things together for good. If you're called by God today, if he spoke over your life, if you love him, then he's working it out in you. Amen? Amen. I believe that it's no accident. God's not, un, God's not unaware of what's going on in your life and the circumstances. He's not surprised by them. See, Joseph does forgive his brothers. It's not an easy thing to do, forgiveness. It's not easy. I'm not going to overlook this and pretend like, well, you just got to do it because God says you got to do it. And he does. Don't expect to receive forgiveness if you're not willing to give forgiveness. Amen. See, in Joseph's life, you guys remember Amy Todd, he resisted the temptation, uh, you know, to sleep with Potiphar's wife. And a lot, of, a lot of temptation comes at you like that, right? Like do something bad. But there's other temptation that we overlook sometimes is doing something good. You can resist doing bad and not do what's right. Come on now. How many of us get content with we don't do drugs and we don't drink and we don't party like so-and-so? And you compare your life to your friends and other people your age rather than to Christ. Because you got to pick up your cross much like he picked up his cross. If you want to talk about process, you want to talk about a parallel, then look at Joseph when he realizes, when he gets to his Genesis 50, he starts to feel different. Real faith isn't blind bliss. Like everything's okay and nobody hurt me. No, they hurt you. 
That was real. Your feelings are real. But what you do with them is up to you. Stop giving, stop giving excuses and, and, and blame for other people for how you live and how you act because of what somebody did. You're giving them too much power. You're living in the past and you're living in the hurt. And God's calling you out of it. Because faith, that muscle, it's going to get worked out, but you got to pick it up. you got to pick up that cross like Jesus picked up that cross. Remember, resistance. You need some resistance. You need some of your will to resist. Jesus isn't going to just tell you to do it. He was willing to do it himself. In the garden of Gethsemane before he goes on the cross, he prays to God the Father and he says, if there's any other way, take this from me. Take this cup from me. It's unbearable. This is hard. If there is any other way for you to do this, what you're trying to do, God, do it. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, we find ourselves on the receiving end of the cross because of salvation, and, and I believe that there is salvation. But there's an invitation to pick up your cross and to, t- and to follow Jesus, not just Jesus saved me. No, Jesus leads you, okay? And that's the approach that God is asking for you. Can you have your Genesis 50 moment where you're, when you get to stand in front of your haters, when you get to stand in front of the people that did you wrong, what are you going to do? Are you going to repay back the evil? Or are you going to take what Jesus said and bless those who curse you? Love your enemies because that requires faith. To do good to those who treated you spitefully requires faith. And we can sit and we can try to hang out on the sidelines and say, well, we didn't do anything wrong. And we can play the victim all we want. But God is calling you beyond just the thing that hurts you. He's calling you forward. And that requires faith. If we can get ready to close the service, I got... We can all stand because I believe I'm closing. This is, this is what I wanted to encourage you with today. Real faith is not nothing bad happens, everything's good. No, it's, it's saying that God uses the bad and the circumstances that are difficult for good. And in Joseph's life and in this moment, this is what I want to challenge you with. We love to hear that God has a plan for our life. But his plan for your life is not what you might plan for yourself. God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so God's plan requires process. And God's plan for your life is to bring out his purpose for your life. It's not your purpose, it's his purpose. Listen to what Joseph says in Genesis 50 when he tells his brothers, he says, am I in the place of God? You intended it for bad, but God intended it for good. For those that are hurting, those that are many, he wants to save people, he wants to help people. God was going to use it for good. And I looked at that the first time and I thought, Yeah, because he saved everybody from the famine, right? Do you know that God's plans are so much bigger than what we can see? His perspective is so much greater. Because if you look again, look at Genesis 50, after he he forgives his brothers. Check this out in Genesis 50, verse 22. Joseph stayed in Egypt. Along with all his father's family, he lived 110 years. That's a long time. 
He saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Machir and son of Manasseh were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110. And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph was prophesying. He said, God's going to come back here and visit you in Egypt. Because this is the end of Genesis. This is chapter 50. But this is the beginning of Exodus. Because when Genesis is ending, you find the children of Israel in Egypt. And in the next book, they were right in position, weren't they? Because God's going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. No, he didn't put them in slavery. He put them in position. He put him in position, and God uses this moment as a platform to prove his glory. And in your life, you might have the smallest part to play in God's glory, but you got a part to play. That's his plan. It's his plan, not yours. It's not about you. It's not about Joseph. Joseph had a part to play, and all he had to do was trust God through the process. I don't know who's here today that needs to hear a word of encouragement. Don't give up on faith. Don't give up on God. Don't, you don't sit in his seat. Joseph said, am I in the seat of God? God intends it for good. He uses the tension in your life for the intended plan. Let's pray. God, I thank you that through circumstances, through difficulties, through hardships, you're in control. Father, you are trustworthy. And though people might have hurt us, you have never hurt us. You took the pain that was meant for us and you put it on your son Jesus on the cross. You saved us. You rescued us. It was the opposite of hurting us. You rescued us. And you made a way for us to walk in. A life, God, with purpose. A plan, God, that can be fulfilled but believed in. Lord, I don't know where people find themselves on the journey today, but I believe that your word has reached them. And wherever they are, God, that they get encouraged, that they get lifted up today, that they get free from the prison on the inside of us. Lord, that we're able to forgive the persons, the people that hurt us. Lord, that we'll stop blaming, we'll stop using it as an excuse, and we'll trust you by letting it go. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, and you hear these words that God has a plan for your life, it starts with Jesus. You can't get on this journey without Jesus. And if somebody is in here today that wants to commit their life to Christ, they want to get saved, they want to know that they're right in God's plan, will you lift your hand up? Hands going up throughout this room. Lord, you know them. You see them. And you have paid the price to save them. So God, set them free inside and out. Help them to forgive. Help them to be forgiven. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought them here to this moment because you're reminding them that there's still time. Lord, that you're not done with them, that the plan is right on track. That the plan is right on track. We are right where we need to be, God. 
and we're in position. I thank you for it today. Let those that are here, that hear your word, be encouraged. Let them be refreshed. Let them leave full of faith, ready to go. Whatever life might throw at them, God, that they have a different lens to look at it through, a different perspective to walk with, God. A humble one, believing that you intend it for good and you're working it for good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, wonderful day in church today. Won't you hug somebody around you? You guys are dismissed.